Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, Power Be Renewable. This is Mike Niemer, and today I've got a special guest on, the CEO of GridPoint, Mr. Mark Danzenbaker. Mark, how are you today? Doing great, thanks for having me on the show. Well, you know, we always like to uh, start our show off with some history on the guest. So could you tell us about your journey to becoming CEO of GridPoint, and then we'll talk about your company after that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Mark Danzenbaker, as you said, CEO of GridPoint, and uh, I am uh, based in the Washington, D.C. metro region. Uh, that's where the company is based. That's where I actually you know, grew up and, and, and today live. And um, you know, that's relevant, I think, to, to the background because um, growing up here, I think you, you, you realize that you know, the importance of making an impact on the world. And um, growing up here has made me realize that the passion for folks that come here and live here, despite any you know, partisan politics or, or differences in how people see things, people come here to make a difference. Um, and that is you know, absolutely relevant to the challenge of a generation in front of us with climate change and the drive to, to net zero. And, and certainly on your podcast, and I've had the, the pleasure of listening to, to many of the shows, you, you have a lot of guests on that cover an incredible range of topics. And that makes sense. And why does it make sense? Because there's not just one thing we have to do. We have to do a lot of things together. There's no one silver bullet as it as it were. There's lots of changes that need to happen. We have to change how we eat. We have to change how we produce um, energy and consume energy. We have to change um, how we build things. Um, we have to um, uh, figure out how to capture some of the emissions we can't take out of the process. And we have to change how we generate and consume energy. And we need more and more people to, to really see the forest from the trees. And I think that's really relevant to all the episodes I've heard on this show. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to come here and, and talk about how it takes a village and how it takes people to move that needle. Uh, and that's certainly what's important to me. And that's the impact that I want to drive and see in the world. Uh, and that's why we're here at Gridpoint. And that's why we're moving forward every single day to try to move the needle on, on sustainability. Well, first, thank you for the kind words about the Green Insider. We appreciate you listening and being a guest on our show. Um, you know, that is one thing you, you kind of struck a nerve that I hadn't really thought about with regards to our own podcast about the variety of uh, speakers we've had on, the topics they've covered. And as you were saying that, and I was thinking, I bet no one topic out of it, you're the 193rd episode, I bet no one topic has had five podcasts talking about the same pod, uh, same topic. There is a lot of ground to cover with regard to climate change. You know, it's just not in any one particular state or country. You know, it's the whole world as we're seeing in, you know, June and July are both setting world records on how hot it is, right? So uh, we're living this every day and uh, we're here to educate. You're here to help make the world more sustainable. And so we appreciate your time and the mission that you're on. Tell yeah, us a little right. bit. It's and it's not yeah, going to go be ahead. easy, right? It's going to take. It's no. going to take. It's going to take decades. It's going to take collaborations. It's going to take uh, the coordination of politics. It's going to take policy. It's going to take infrastructure. It's going to take technology. It's going to take multiple countries and multiple, you know, world organizations to collaborate and come together without 
um, damaging the economy with, with ensuring energy security and moving the needle on sustainability all at the same time. And it, it sounds, you know, really challenging, but, you know, um, you put one fo foot in front of the other uh, and you get going. And of course, every noble task is a first impossible. And that's a quote <laughs> from someone, and I'll have to go remember who said it, but it's it's one that I think certainly applies here. There's lots to do. And if, if nothing else on this podcast, I'd love to have the opportunity to kind of, you know, show um, or explain uh, to your to your listeners, you know, where where we uniquely fit in the overall context of the the path to net zero. And so, I suspect your next question is going to be, tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, why don't you drive us down that path and let's get started with some. Uh, you start us off, and then I'll fill in the blanks and I ask some specific questions that I think the listener will have an interest in, or parallel something you said to my journey in life in energy for over forty years. Yeah, so let, let's let's step back and let's let's talk about like what's the what's the what's the problem and the way I might frame it um, to the listeners it's a it's a big supply and demand problem. It's a big supply and demand problem. Um, if, if, if we're going to get to net zero, we have to decarbonize um, how we produce energy. And some people describe that as decarbonizing the grid. And that means we have to change the nature of the supply of energy um, towards renewable sources, uh, wind and, and solar. Um, but changes to that change fundamentally the power curve because, you know, it creates an intermittency problem because, you know, the sun's not always shining and wind's not always blowing. And your guests have talked about that significantly. Um, and that, you know, can lead to, you know, some some pricing challenges. It leads to some cost challenges and it creates an intermittency problem, which effectively is a supply and demand imbalance. And, and, and oh, by the way, you know, we're also adding quite a bit of demand through the trend of electrification. So, you know, there's three terms out there I just said. The path to net zero um, requires lots of things, how we eat, how we produce things, how we make things, but also energy, how we produce and consume energy. And within energy, you have to think about how you, um, you know, change how the, how the supply is, is produced, wind and solar, move to renewables. And the other term is electrification. And that means changing things that, you know, are powered based on um, uh, fossil fuel-based um, sources, you know, shifting that at the edge of the grid towards um, electricity, which we can make greener. So you have to do all these things together. Um, but but what that also does is increase the demand for energy. So as we increase the demand for energy, we're changing the supply. Um, we're, we're changing that, and that create a pretty significant you know supply and demand imbalance. And that's what people are are worried about. Um, and so I would say, and I would submit to the listeners. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna get there, and we've got to get there, it's the challenge of our generation that you you can't just focus on on supply. You got to focus on demand, and and that means the 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 businesses, the the all the people and and consumers of energy at the edge of the grid. Um, and what drives demand? Well, if you're going to tackle demand, you, you better focus on and go start ask yourself. Well, what are the big consumers of energy at the edge of the grid? And, and one of those is buildings, um, particularly the small ones, and that's the part of the market that has been traditionally not addressed. You know, there's large buildings and there's small buildings and all the listeners can imagine, you know, the Empire State Building or sort of large, large, large manufacturing plants. Those all have to become more efficient and be, um, you know, thought of. But guess what? You know, 90% of commercial buildings are below 50,000 square feet and 70% of them are below 10,000 square feet. And that's the places that we shop at, we eat at, we go get our, 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 our pharmacy products. So all those types of businesses, that's where a lot of them are. So if you're going to focus on demand, you better go look where a bunch of the demand is and try to and try to tackle that. And so 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 that's the sort of the setup. That's the problem. Now, what's GridPoint doing about it? 
So our mission is about accelerating the energy transition. We're trying to help get that path to net zero. And our vision is to go capture those commercial buildings at the edge of the grid. We want to create this network of commercial buildings that moves the needle, not just on efficiency by reducing the consumption of energy within those buildings, but do it in such a way, in such a way that they're not on islands by themselves. They are deeply integrated and connected to the grid, knowing the supply conditions, knowing the situations, knowing the imbalances, and being able to have technology help us decide how can we adjust our demand um, at specific points in time and specific times when the grid may be producing you know, uh, you know, less green sources and less green electrons. How can we combine those things together and alleviate those shortfalls that the supply and demand imbalance that's going to be created as we make this energy transition. And, and really, this is the perfect opportunity for technology to be able to make those decisions, to have situational awareness of all these buildings and make decisions about which assets, which buildings, which places, which time based on grid conditions. And so what do we do specifically? Well, we have a, a hardware enabled platform, hardware, software, and services that we bring together. And the, the heart of that is sort of our, our operating system, if you will. We call it Gridpoint Intelligence, but it's the software that knits together all these buildings and helps make those decisions within those buildings to make them more efficient. So imagine, you know, at the edge of the grid that you're a commercial business right now. You know, you own a business, you own a restaurant, you own a, a retail facility. Well, what, what's going on in your world? You, you want to be responsive to, to customer trends, demanding sustainable practices. You're worried about rising cost. You're especially worried about rising energy inflation. And guess what? We've seen some pretty significant increases in energy costs over the last couple of years. And I think we're going to continue to see that as the energy transition unfolds. And so, you know, you're, you're concerned about that. And you're also hearing, and depending on where you live, you know, you, you are experiencing now or, or hear that there could be some instability in the grid as we, as we go forward, um, as we have these supply and demand imbalances. That means you know, rolling blackouts or brownouts or not enough power at the right time. And we've seen those, those headlines on you know, NBC Nightly News. So, so you know, we have to tackle those things. So we go to those customers and we say, look, you know, here's the pitch. You know, you're a commercial business. You know, save energy with us, save money with us, help the grid be sustainable and run your buildings better. And don't give me a nickel up front um, we're going to, we're going to sell you a subscription, sort of almost a Netflix style subscription. We put the equipment in, we take control of your building. You get savings like real, you know, the other kind of green savings that CFO friendly, you know, right off the bat, but you get this sort of these, this multi-pronged value from us that helps you save energy, save money, help the grid be sustainable, do all those things and move things forward. And we don't require any money up front. So let me sort of stop there. Uh, hopefully that's the, the shortest explanation I can give to, to put it in context. Well, I just want to clarify. So if you go to a, a 50,000 square foot building and they've not even done LED lighting and they've really done no retrofitting of any kind to become efficient, mm -hmm. are you putting in all that equipment to make them more efficient in addition to your automated software to make it efficient? Is that what I'm understanding you say? So I would say, I would, I would answer it this way. There's two, like two, two sides to efficiency. So imagine a coin with two sides to, to efficiency. You're going to go into a, a restaurant, you know, um, uh, and you're going to say, okay, well, what's consuming the energy here? It's going to be, you know, two to three, maybe four commercial grade, you know, heating and cooling units on the roof. 
Uh, it's going to be the lighting. It's going to be cooking equipment. It's going to be refrigeration. Those are the major assets of today that are consuming the energy. So what can you do if you want to be more efficient? Well, one is you can replace the thing that consumes energy, like an HVAC unit or a lighting zone, and you can you know, upgrade that site to be more efficient. That's one side of efficiency. The other side is you, know, you can make the trains run on time. So don't replace the locomotive, but make the trains run on time. That making the trains run on time, that's what we do. So we come in, we put the equipment in, we manage the site. We're a, a mini building management control system within those sites. We focus on the assets of today. We help them be more efficient. And we also help them decide using the empirical data, like the real results on the ground, hey, which thing should I replace to be more efficient? Which unit's inefficient? Which zone might be ideal to replace? And then we can help the, the customer make better decisions. So you can control something to make it more efficient, make the trains run on time, or you can replace it. Um, and there's two sides to that. And we are trying to enable both, but by us specifically doing the control, you know, make the trains run on time. So then you have uh, project partners you will refer them to with regards to the lighting or heating or whatever your automated system shows needs the biggest upgrade. Is that correct? Because you don't actually yeah. do that work. Yeah. So it depends on the customer. A lot of customers want to want to you know already have relationships and they just want the, the data to help them decide. In other cases, you know, we see you know increasingly partnerships that we're pulling together to help make those decisions together. Um, and to, to go in from the start with that, you know, as the entire objective. So, but that's just today. So the other thing I've observed from a lot of your, 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 um, your shows is it's not just, you know, what's interesting is not just the breadth of topics we have to cover, but the fact that there's things you can do today and there's things you can do tomorrow. And so for us, the way we think about this entire thing is let's go put points on the board with energy efficiency, you know, within these commercial buildings Let's uh, let's get them on the platform. Let's get them healthy. Let's get them saving money, saving energy, um, and and let's get them connected to the grid for the assets of today. Um, but but where do we see this ultimately going? Um, because as we keep continuing down the energy transition, you know we see the need to 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 adjust demand at specific points, continuing it to be more and more valuable. And let me give you a, a, a bit of a metaphor here. I'm sure you know some of your listeners are probably deeply familiar with demand response and grid service activities. Uh, but some may not. So, you know, one way to think about it is, you know, if you've got an overbooked flight, um, you don't have enough, you know, seats to handle the people you booked the flight for, you know, what, what does the airline do? Well, they, they ask you to take a later flight or they incense you to take a later flight. So the way these, you know, grid programs work is they're effectively asking the consumers of energy to take a later flight and incenting them to do so. And as this sort of supply and demand balance, which is where I started this conversation continues, you're going to see the value of that willingness and the ability of the incentives to take a later flight are going to continue to grow. And so where do we see this going? We see the assets of tomorrow being not just the, the heating, the cooling, the lighting, the refrigeration. We see it being energy storage being deployed you know, at, at micro scale um, at lots of commercial buildings and being able to sort of make this sort of whole building decisions about you know, which assets, which time, and being able to sort of flip to energy storage at the right time, at the right moment, based on what the grid conditions are. That's where we see this ultimately going. And our goal is, you know, it's a subscriber model. Get as many subscribers on the, on the platform as possible, help them be efficient, help move the needle, and then find an opportunity to come back at the right time in the right market to, to continue to upgrade those sites and make them more and more efficient, to make them more valuable and make them more valuable to grid for everyone's benefit. And, you know, I don't think uh, the average consumer really 
puts two and two together that when you're talking supply and demand, the one day way to reduce the demand is to become more energy efficient. So don't leave all the lights on in the house when you don't have to. Every little bit adds up. And I don't know if the overall general society totally gets that yet. That's the message that everybody needs to continue marketing about. It doesn't just take a business to be energy efficient. Our households and also because what we save and not spend is something else we don't have to build to create the extra power to charge those EV cars, right? So uh, supply and demand, chicken and the egg, it's the same thing. Oh, I think I think what people will will continue to, to, to focus on, and this is as true as residential, as it is as industrial, as it is in commercial, you know, as energy rates um, rise, if they if they rise, people tend to pay more and more and more attention. You know, we've seen, you know, roughly, I think, 18 yep. percent increase in the last two years of, of energy costs. And people have certainly noticed that. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we need to be doing all we can to help give people the tools to manage that and be more efficient. And people will notice that people will respond to price incentives. And already, depending on where you live, you see different rates for different times and different rate structures where you get charged a different amount at a different time. And people will, you know, um, want to respond to that. And and how are they going to be able to kind of consume differently at different times based on not just cost, but potentially where do we see it really going? Well, I think people are going to want to make decisions based on, you know, what is the, you know, generation mix, which is another way to say, are these electrons that I'm consuming, were they produced with green sources or not? And people are going to want to make decisions about how they consume energy, not just on costs, but based on, are these electrons green? Well, then I can, you know, I'll consume at that time. At times of day when they're not quite as green, maybe I want to, maybe I want to curtail my usage at that point. And that's another opportunity for technology to help make those decisions. And that's where I think this whole thing, that's where this whole ball game goes. Well, you know, depending on exactly which uh, of our podcasts you've listened to, you've heard me ask guests this question. So uh, maybe I'll catch you off guard. Maybe you actually heard it. So as you refer to net zero, the ultimate goal is for everybody to get to net zero. I've had several guests come on and try to compare net zero to real zero, where they're not using energy uh Carbon, you know, the RECs, the renewable energy credits to get to zero. They're not using carbon credits to get to zero. They're actually changing their whole way of life to get to real zero. Mm-hmm. Do you have a position on real zero versus net zero? You know, I, I think you have to, you know, you have to, to answer the question, you have to decide are, are, how, how wide is the aperture if you're asking the question? Is it for one person or is it for a society? And, and I'll answer it more from a societal standpoint. You know, to, to, to really get to net zero, this is not just about, you know, the utilities and how they produce energy, although that's a big part of it. It is not just about the commercial buildings. It is about everything, you know, and if we're going to get to net zero, um, there are some things that are going to be really hard to get done. You know, you know, airplanes, maybe one of them, ships, maybe another. Um, some of the materials that we produce, you, you, you might have a hard time getting every, you know, squeaking out every, every single bit of the emissions. And so, you know, net zero is probably the, you know, the, the path I'd focus on, but also on your shows, you have a lot of folks talking about how do you create effective and efficient and scalable carbon capture to, to go, to go kind of grab the last mile of those things that are hard to, that are hard to um, abate. Uh, and so, you know, that goes, this, the answer to the question goes well beyond the scope of grid point, but there's my answer is 
it's an all of the all of the above strategy. It's going to take decades. It's going to take time. And, and it's an opportunity, I think, for American leadership, really. And I think, you know, we see that stepping up. We see the path. I think we can continue to, to do more. We can't lose sight of the goal. And we have to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice our energy security, doesn't um, create um, uh, too, too much of a price impact, and does it in a way that gets us there in a reasonable way, in a balanced way, uh, in a reasonable time frame. And, and that takes real leadership, you know, in what, not just Washington, but in, in, in business uh, and throughout. And that's why I appreciate the podcast so much because you cover so much ground in all the different areas. And the more that people are educated about the different facets of this and how it all comes together, the better. Well, you know, uh, when I looked at your website, you talked about convenience stores and energy management, so on and so forth within that. And so uh, are you referring to your automation also helping them ordering their fuels for the station in a more efficient manner, so on and so forth? Or are you strictly about the operation of the electricity itself, or do you go all the way down to the fuel in the tanks? Uh, we, we focus on the efficiency from the electricity and, and natural gas consumption side. Um, we, we don't focus on the, the fuel in the tanks, you know, so to speak. Um, but we do see uh, the opportunity for, you know, C-stores in particular, and, and we'll see how the, you know, the EV charging infrastructure game plays out. But, you know, we see that being you know, a, an asset of the future that's going to be significantly deployed in lots of commercial buildings. So, you know, today, you know, it's 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 heating, it's cooling, it's lighting, it's refrigeration, maybe cooking equipment, uh, and a handful of other things. That's what that's what drives the energy consumption. What's it going to be in the future? Well, you know, if you put you know a number of you know you know uh, EV charge, put even EV charging infrastructure outside, whether that's a level two or level three, that's going to have a significant impact on the on the bill. Um, uh, that 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 particular business pays, and you know, if you're going to increase the, the the consumption, the demand that they use, um, you know, those commercial businesses are going to be smart and take a whole building approach. They're going to think about all those assets that get deployed, and so I see I see uh, an opportunity not just for today, but to think about the assets of the future, EV charging and storage within lots of commercial buildings, not just C stores um, and beyond. And and our focus tends to be on the smaller side, simply because. You know, we think that's an area that's that's unaddressed uh, and it's an opportunity to, to play the volume game with lots of buildings and lots of subscribers. And we're proud to have, you know, roughly 20,000 buildings on the platform today. That's a big number for us. We're really proud of that. But we want to continue to grow that very, very, very substantially over the coming years. Well, Mark, you and your team should be proud of what they've done. That is a big number, 20,000 buildings. And I think you finding that sweet spot for your company was also very smart on your part because, Everybody wants to say, let's just go ahead and go for the big fish. We can do the why work for the smaller guy when we work for the bigger guy and make more money in the meantime. Well, somebody's got to service that window. And I think you found yourself a nice niche. So congratulations to you, to Gridpoint, and the whole team behind it. You guys at Gridpoint, I think I saw on LinkedIn, you have you know 200,000 employees. Is that correct? Uh, we have we have 200 employees. Uh, very proud oh, of the 200. Team. 200, I don't know 200. where I saw the 200 yeah. That's 200, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, one maybe day, one day, day you never know. One day, maybe. Once you get to a million buildings, you might be, there right? You there you go. Uh, but yeah, we're really proud of the team. And, you know, just maybe if I can take a moment to, to address that, you know, like I think, you know, there's a lot of listeners, if they're interested in sustainability, they're probably wondering, like, how can I, how can I lean in? How can I get involved? You know, there are a lot of companies, including Gridpoint, that, you know, create the opportunity of a lifetime, I think, to work on meaningful work, 
move the needle on sustainability. And I'm talking about Gridpoint, but I'm also talking about any business in this space. If you're interested out there, you know, you should, you know, you know, do your homework, find businesses, find ones that have a, a business model and a strategy that that you think can help move that needle towards net zero. And no one company, no one technology is going to do it all. There's so many opportunities and there's so many opportunities to, to make an impact. And that's what drives me. That's what brought me to Gridpoint years ago. That's what brings every single person to the company. That's what makes hiring in our company easy sometimes because a lot of people that you know, really just, you know, believe in the mission, they bleed green, they want to see us be successful, and they see themselves working on something bigger than themselves. And that's, hey, that's what, that's something we can all be proud of. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Mark Dazenbaker, CEO of Gridpoint. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Green Insider. Fascinating show. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.